When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beyond the Fairways with PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. This is Beyond the Fairways. That's Jay Delsing, who played in over 700 PGA events. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Looking forward to the visit that we have coming up. It'll be Shane Bacon a true lover of the game of golf. He's been a caddy in Scotland, a podcast owner, author. He's done just about everything. And Jay, I can't wait to visit with him. And always great to see you. You too, Danny Mac. Love being with you. And getting to talk to Bake today is really going to be fun. This is a a younger guy that has kind of come up through the trenches, so to speak. And uh, just a lover of the game and uh, re- really fun to to talk to. And he's another one of these guys, Danny, that's going to have that has this infectious energy and passion for what he does. I can't wait. And that's what I love. Somebody, as I mentioned, a true lover of the game of golf. That's all we ask. Absolutely. You and I sit here and, you know, talk about it on on air, off air. We go play. We do all sorts of different things. And um, yeah, so it's going to be fun. This is an interesting guy. You mentioned author. I didn't realize. Children's book. I know. It's really going to be interesting. I, I can't wait to ask him how that's, that whole thing kind of came about. As we do with a lot of our guests, I'm always fascinated with Liv and the PGA Tour, and he offers great perspective because he's tight with a lot of the PGA Tour players that come on uh, his podcast. He's worked in television, worked at the Golf Channel, so he knows these guys. And just getting various perspectives from those that are around this, there's really a frustration that continues to grow and an edge and a wedge between these two tours. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, Danny, it's it's re- it really interesting to see how this live thing plays out. Don't you wish we had a crystal ball maybe for a lot of things, but one year, two years, three years down the road, I have no confidence. It could be around for 20 years, and it could go away next month. Did the Saudis say enough's enough, and they pull the big checks? And that's really is where this is at right now. If the money goes away, the tour goes away. Oh, yeah, no question about that. And then, then the question – begs to be talked about is did the players get paid in full you right. know that they're multi-year contracts and etc and, the, and then what happens you get a guy like phil mickelson that was paid 200 million dollars and got paid in full we'll assume he's not going to be welcomed with open arms on the pga tour and the same for dj and kepka and all those players innovations in golf will take us to swing trainers best swing trainers out there tips how do you increase your swing speed? And then we'll take you to our picks at the AT&T Byron Nelson. All that is coming up. And up next should be a fascinating interview. Shane Bacon will be our guest. Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates 
in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways Player Profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. He's been a caddy, he's a businessman, a podcast, an author. But Jaybird, Shane Bacon, one way to describe him is a true lover of the game of golf. Yeah, no, he absolutely is. Bake, thanks so much for joining us. I know you got two young kids and you're a great dad. We appreciate you taking the time. Anytime. Uh, pumped to be chatting with you guys. Uh, this is kind of the, you know, this, as you guys know, this is like uh, the meat of the season is, is upon us. So this is. Uh, to me, this is when golf kind of takes center stage, you know, with the majors upcoming and obviously some elevated events. So, uh, so a good time to do this. You know, we got to know each other through our, our Fox golf experience and it was such a fun part of my life because I'd never done TV before. And you were kind of the rising star of our team. Talk a little bit about what that was like for you, because it's still kind of a blur for me. It was wild. I mean, I remember you and I doing, uh, I think we did senior open, uh, it's Iota. I remember kind of sitting in that room uh, all week with you, which was a lot of fun, and obviously got to play some golf together. Yeah, it was it was wild. You know, um, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to get into TV and I wanted to be a broadcaster. You know, in my early years, as I've learned in this business, you know, it, it takes getting very lucky in, in in certain you know situations, and that the Fox situation was a great example of that. I mean, you know, 2015, they were looking for for young broadcasters to be a part of the digital. Uh, broadcast team. I remember Chambers Bay, I was doing featured holes with Robert Dameron and, uh, you know, kind of slowly made my way up into the uh, into the main team. And I mean, you know, you talk about an incredible experience, an amazing team. Um, you know, it was a little bit of that feeling. And, and Jay, I know you'll feel the same way is that, you know, th- there was the world of everybody was kind of who are these guys? What is Fox doing? How do they get into golf? And so, it, it made our team really strong, you know, from the get go. And that was one of the cool parts about it was we were a real group and, you know, we'd go on the road and we'd play golf and we'd hang out and we'd eat dinner. And if you took a dinner off or you didn't show up to dinner, you know, you'd get a Julie Inkster text or fax and going, what happened? Where were you? I mean, it was, it really did feel like, you know, you were in like high school golf days traveling around on the bus together. So um, I will, I will hold those years very close to my heart for a long, long time. And it was a, uh, it was a special few years, you know, being a part of that group. Baker, just listening to you, and I, and I concur with everything you say, just listening to you, the, the, the amount of passion that you have for life in the game just drips out of there. Talk, tell everybody a little bit about how you fell in love with the game and the U of A days and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a little late to, uh, to golf in terms of, um, you know, a lot of people you meet in the business just because I was a baseball player and played basketball and did all that. And so, 
my dad was a golfer and he pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And I finally started to get into it when I was probably 13, 14 years old and started to show a little bit of promise and uh, played well in some national golf tournaments. And so um, it was kind of that time where I realized I probably need to focus on golf over some of the other sports. And so, you know, that was really where the passion kind of started. I mean, you know, I'm of the era that got to grow up with Tiger, you know, and I mean, I was a left-handed golfer. So, uh, you know, I was a Phil guy and, you know, you're always rooting for Phil to finally get the major win. And um, obviously you have this, uh, this figure next to him that was doing stuff in golf that had never been done before. But yeah, I mean, you know, I went to University of Arizona and then I tried to play pro golf um, for a couple of years. I worked outside service at True North, um, catted at St. Andrews uh, in the middle of that. And then uh, once I realized golf in terms of playing wasn't going to be my future, uh, I kind of went back to what I was doing in college and beyond. And that was, you know, I was a writer. And, and so, uh, you know, it was kind of the, the 06, 07, 08 years where blogs were starting to blow up. Um, I was, you know, reaching out to anybody and everybody that would let me write for them. Uh, I remember I was writing major championship uh, previews for Deadspin, you know, and Deadspin was in its infancy. And, um, you know, I, I just slowly kind of made my way through that world and eventually, you know, landed a, a full-time job writing about golf. And um, from there, you know, kind of made my way into the TV side of things as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to kind of look back on it because, it really was the wild west of the internet. You know, nobody really knew what they were doing, but we were all trying to do something. And uh, I just so happened to land in a really good spot in terms of golf uh, during those years. I love that. You were grinding, and now you're very, very successful on many, many different ventures in the game of all, uh, golf. I'm curious with your podcast, you've had great guests on. Which one stands out for you? In a podcast, you can go deep into the weeds on a particular subject, but who's been the most interesting subject for you? Oh man. I mean, that, that you know, it's so hard to kind of pick apart who kind of lands atop that list. I mean, you know, I was, I was lucky early on. I mean, I started, you know, my first podcast was called the clubhouse. Um, I think I started it in like 2015 or 2016. And so at that time I could get anybody, you know, that was what was wild was nobody really knew what a podcast was. So, <laughs> you know, you, you could hit up anybody and they'd say yes. So, uh, I remember getting Bryson uh, and when he was still an amateur. I think he just won the U.S. Amateur. And obviously, you know, Bryson, you know, is, is, is a needle mover, you know, either one way or the other. But I remember talking to him during those days and was really impressed with just the way he talked about golf. So, you know, Bryson's up there. Uh, anytime I got Julie on, you know, I think Julie Inkster is the coolest person in the world. Maybe the oh, I I've ever so met. agree, so, Bank. She's a oh, doll. So awesome. I mean, you know, any, anytime you got Julie on, you know, I got to chat with uh, with Phil um, as one of my last uh, episodes. And then, you know, in terms of the media ones, you know, I, I'd have I'd have Joe Buck on a couple times a year. We still do a podcast every now and again. And then uh, Scott Van Pelt and I, going back to probably 2015, do a, a Masters preview pod every year. And uh, now it's become a bit of our tradition. So, you know, there's so many to pick from. Uh, it, it's such a cool medium still, even though obviously, you know, there's a million uh, podcasts out there now, it's still such a cool medium because you can take it in so many different directions. And that's something I, I've transitioned to do with, with get a grip was, you know, I mean, it used to be very much an interview medium and now, you know, we have different topics and I'll have different people on to, to dive deep into, you know, we did a fall flushers episode a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm doing an episode, you know, for next week with Claire Rogers, where we're going to do, you know, five things we change in golf. So, you know, th there's just a lot of different ways to make it or try to make it unique now that there's so many. But, yeah, those early days of the podcast, it was a lot of fun to say, 
hey, Brooks, will you come on? And he's like, yeah, sure. You go, I can't believe I'm getting Brooks. <laughs> I, I'll say this, I, I was, it was like the, maybe the first year of the clubhouse, and I DM'd Rory. Uh, Rory was hurt, and I DM'd Rory on Twitter, and I said, hey, will you, will you come on the podcast? And he wrote back and said, yeah, I'm not doing anything else. And he told me on the podcast when he was going to return from injury. And I remember watching ESPN later that day, and the scroll at the bottom – was Rory McIlroy tells the clubhouse with Shane Bacon. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This podcast <laughs> is on the bottom line. I mean, you know, you just, it's a silly, you know, side deal, and you don't think anybody's paying attention to it. And then all of a sudden it makes, uh, it makes slight, a slight amount of news. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, you know, in those days you're taking pictures and, and sending it to your family and stuff like that. A lot of fun. Bake, is it interesting to you that Bryson gets so vilified? I I totally concur with everything you say. He's completely interesting, got an absolutely unusual and unique way of approaching the game and, and the scientific stuff that he does. But I just don't get why people don't like him. Well, I mean, he does most of it to himself, Jay. I mean, you know, when, when he when he opens his mouth and talks a lot of the time, um, I think it's it's hard for people to really understand what either he's saying or where he's going. And so I would say, you know, most of that um, flack that he gets is probably, you know, it's probably something he's done, you know, to himself and to, and to what he said. But in terms of the golfer, in terms of watching him as a professional golfer, and obviously, I mean, we haven't seen Bryson play the amount of golf over the last year and a half that we saw, you know, when you think about uh, winning the U.S. Open, you think about what he did at Bay Hill. I mean, those were really the high points in Bryson's career as a professional golfer. But, you know, I mean, for Bryson, I look at that guy and see a young guy that's still exactly figuring out not just who he is, but who he wants to be in terms of public persona. So I think he does a lot of that to himself. I still root for Bryson, and uh, I think he's really good for the game of golf. But uh, listen, I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff he said or a lot of the directions he's taken – uh, can and will rub people the wrong way. The problem is, is guys like Bryson and Brooks and Pat Reed, you know, all of the players that have kind of moved on to live, they were so great for the PGA Tour because they gave us a little bit of that other personality. And I think, you know, that's one of the things I do miss is uh, so many of the guys on the PGA Tour are the quote-unquote nice guys, and I think we've missed a little bit of the heels that, uh, that at times can say stuff in press conferences and kind of go at some of the other players and add that extra layer in golf that we don't always get. You mentioned you're a Phil guy. I'm a Phil guy. I'm fascinated with Phil Mickelson and every aspect of his life. What did you take away when you visited with Phil Mickelson? What was the, maybe one or two things that you were like, huh, didn't know that. That surprised me. <laughs> I mean, just like you guys, you guys have been around Phil plenty. His level of intelligence is so high and just the stuff he remembers and says, you know, I, I like to do, especially when I interview somebody like Phil Mickelson, you know, I like to dive deep into some historical stuff that maybe doesn't always get brought up. You know, I'm not going to bring up, uh, you know, David Toms in Atlanta. I'm probably not going to bring up 04, but I'd like to get into the weeds on some stuff that maybe happened early in his career and uh, the retention from Phil Mickelson. I mean, we all, all of us golfers are crazy people that remember everything and remember every shot we hit, but Phil's ability to kind of go directly back to those moments uh, really surprised me and was very impressive. And, uh, you know, for a guy that's had, what, a career of, you know, what, 40 years of, of basically being in the spotlight, the fact that you can remember, you know, a third-place finish in 95 or, you know, how he did in 99 is uh, is was quite impressive to me. Hey, guys, hold on. Remember, summer is coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped? 
for our listeners is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be that guy at the beach with the Austin Powers chest hair. It's time to get ready for hot summers by going to manscaped.com. Listen to this, 20% off, free shipping with the code BTF. That's for Beyond the Fairways. Now, Manscaped, it's dedicated to helping you increase your confidence. Jay has talked about that. And level up your full body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. Now, the kit comes with the essential waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. There is no doubt that this is the best trimmer on the market. Jay uses it. I use it. My kids use it. Their trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. No one likes nose hairs, so their package also comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0. You'll also get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, $39 value added, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. If you're wearing sandals, you need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. Having the right tools for grooming, it's essential. Do yourself a favor this summer. Always use the right tools for the job. You're going to get 20% off free shipping with the code BTF at manscaped.com. BTF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BTF at manscaped.com. Well, Bake, you talk about, you know, U of A, and I can I was playing in the Tucson Open when Phil came down from you know, from Scottsdale and, and whipped our asses and nobody was all too delighted about that. But you watch this guy's longevity, the amount of game that he still has. Look at what he did at the, the back night at the Masters just a month or so ago. I mean, it's incredible. But talking about putting your foot in your mouth and some of the other complexities that come along with his personality, he's a walking, talking quote machine. Oh, I mean, and, and lightning rod. And I mean, he always has been, you know, I mean, I think he was so popular in this sport and he was just one of those two figures for so long that, you know, I mean, that just carried him along for forever. And now um, obviously with the changes in what he's doing and where he's playing um, the last year, year and a half, two years have probably been a lot on Phil Mickelson and just getting back to golf. I mean, I, I, I went back and watched, you know, his press conference after that Sunday at Augusta national and I felt a lot of gratitude. I mean, you heard him talk about it, how happy he was. It felt like a week where he didn't have to answer all those questions that he typically has to answer now every time he sits down in front of a microphone. And the fact that he could just go out and play golf at his favorite golf course, you know, at his favorite golf tournament and one he's had so much success at, I, it just looked like a guy that had finally taken a breath, you know, for the first time in a couple of years. And uh, again, I mean, going back to, you know, me being a kid, I remember where I was when he won in 04. Um, you know, I was at my aunt's house for Easter and we're watching on, you know, a TV that's probably the size of most iPads now and the leaf <laughs> and all that stuff that had happened. You know, I mean, it, it's hard to take that away even as an adult because that's the way you feel about somebody when you were growing up in your formidable years. So uh, I thought it was a special week for Phil. I think it's going to do a ton for him going forward. I mean, obviously he's still got plenty of game and plenty of distance, which I think is extremely key in these major championships. And so, you know, you think about a golf course like, LACC and you know the one event he, he hasn't won yet but he's played so well in over the years and I think it's a golf course that'll set up well for him and so I know that there's a lot of excitement around these major championships not just because they're majors but because you get the PJ Tour players and the live players I look at the next three majors this year 
coming off that Masters finish for Phil Mickelson. And I guarantee you, he's looking at these golf courses going, I can, I, I can contend, sure, but I might actually be able to win one of these. And uh, I would be very interested in how that's taken, you know, because him winning the PGA wasn't that long ago. It was a couple of years ago. But golf has changed a lot since then. And it'd be very interesting to see the headlines and the stories and the blogs and the interviews uh, following another Phil Mickelson uh, run at a major and potentially another win. Generally speaking, in all the people that uh, you have the chance to visit with, what is their feeling of LIV and these guys jumping? What, what do you think the general feeling is about what's happened in golf? Yeah, I mean, I think last year, you know, you, you saw a lot of people that were extremely emotional about what was going on. This year, um, it feels like things have settled down a bit. And while there are still lightning rods on live and there's still people on the PGA Tour, you know, taking some shots, it feels like people are almost content at where everybody is. And so it seemed like it's kind of calmed down a bit, at least from where I'm sitting. You know, the interesting thing for me and the thing I continue to talk about is uh, the simple golf that is live. And, you know, obviously it's on network TV now and you can watch it at your house, but who is watching it and who's paying attention to those events week to week? Because, you know, for me, I, I, I talk about this a lot. I have 24 hours a day, right? I've got two young kids. I've got jobs. I want to still play golf. You may maybe want to go work out or go for a run. How much time do you have a day to dedicate to sitting in front of a TV and watching sport? And are you going to take hours away from other stuff and give that to live? And right now I'm not going to do that. And so, again, I think when you look at the product in terms of the golf, they're still trying to figure out how to get people interested in that. But in terms of the way we look at it and talk about it, it sure seemed like things had settled down a bit. And even some of the people that were really fired up about live last year, um, it seems like, you know, we're just kind of, we're, we kind of understand this is where people are right now. You got to tell us about the golfer's zoo. You've written a children's book and uh, a, a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, so, I mean, Jay, you know, this very well, uh, when you're in the golf world, you get golf stuff sent to you. I mean, my last name is bacon. My mom used to get so much bacon stuff sent to her on holidays <laughs> that she had to tell people, stop sending me pigs. Stop sending me bacon, you know, memorabilia or whatever. So when you're in the golf space, you know, you get golf stuff. And when we had Henry, my, my first son, who, uh, who turns four soon, when we had Henry, you know, we get golf stuff sent to us from friends, friends and family members. And I was shocked at how few children's golf books there were there that were out there. And so, you know, I, I had an idea of maybe getting into that space at some point. And it was actually, Jay, somebody we worked with very closely and a good buddy of mine, Joel Klatt, who I was asking Joel one day, his three sons, I said, what is your process for taking the kids out to the golf course? And he said, I do one hole of golf and one hole of fun. And so he says, he'll play one hole with the, with the boys and they'll play golf and they'll put it out and they'll try to do whatever they do in terms of scoring. And the next hole is whatever they want to do. So play in the bunker, throw rocks in the lake. And he kept bringing up the animals. He kept saying, you know, go look at the turtles and look at the fish. And so the idea really stemmed from that was when you think about a golf course, we think about, you know, holes and layouts and designers and scoring. And kids could look at it and really think about it as a zoo because every golf course has a lot of animals on it and unique animals depending on where you live. And so really that's where the idea came from. So it was a little bit of Joel Klatt and it was a little bit of Henry Bacon uh, that went into uh, to the idea of it. And then, you know, I, I teamed up with, with an awesome group of Pac-9 Press and we found this incredible illustrator and uh, it's been really cool to see it go from, you know, an idea to maybe I'll do this 
to actually putting pen to paper and then seeing it kind of come together in a, in a form of a book. Uh, it's been a special project, and I'm really proud of it. And uh, it'll be something that, you know, will be on my son and, and daughter's shelves um, for as long as they want it to be on there because, you know, they're a big part of why we wrote it. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely, Bacon. I've got that sent down to – so I've got a grandson who's one and a granddaughter that's three, and so they've got that book down in Alabama – and I just spent some time with him. And you know what's interesting? And I love Joel Klatt's a great human being and a good dad. When you take your kids, multiple children, out to play, and Danny's got four children as well. He knows this well. You get the widest variety of questions and inquisitive <laughs> things. And they're like, Dad, what kind of tree is that? And did you see that squirrel? And that bird almost hit you. And, and I'm by like, the way, they're smarter than we are on all these things. No, there's <laughs> no question. Absolutely they are. Absolutely. I mean, my, my son today, he's almost four. He turns four in a month. If I say the wrong animal in passing, we drive by something, he'll correct me. And you know how they have that little attitude when they correct you, like, you're an idiot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of that. Bake, wait no, till they we, get we older. Not a, oh. not a squirrel. And you're like, sorry, man. I, I wouldn't even love looking at the road. You're a wide-ranging guy in the game of golf, but you caddied in Scotland. You caddied on the LPGA Tour. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and what that was like for you in, in both those places? Yeah, you know, it was it was a really cool experience, Dan, like to go over there and, and get – I'm looking at a picture I have on my wall from St. Andrews that I bought when I lived over there. Um, a buddy and I, uh, my buddy Will Fralick, and uh, we actually did a, a podcast on this if you're ever interested in listening to it. It's probably a two-hour podcast. I think it's on the old Clubhouse feed, but we talked about our whole experience there. But we lived in a house together in college in Tucson for three years. Um, Will's dad bought it, and we would sit on the roof and drink beer. That's what we did. You know, we, we'd go up there and drink beer at night and we'd listen to country music. And, um, and you know, we started to come up with this idea. He caddied in Estancia in Scottsdale when he was in high school. And he had a friend that was a Scottish caddy that would come over in season. And he said, you know, we should, we should go caddy in Scotland, is what Will said, you know, and we were drinking beer. Well, the beer drinking <laughs> idea on the roof continued to come up every time we'd sit up there. And at one point he reached out to his caddy buddy and said, if we get done with college in May and we come over there for a season, could we caddy? And he said, you know, heck yeah, you could. And so we literally got done with college. Um, Will flew over the day before I did from Phoenix. I was back in Texas um, at my, my, my parents' house. And I landed on like a Wednesday. And Will had been there a day before. Will had already caddied at Kings Barnes <laughs> around before I'd arrived. And so, yeah, it was really, I mean, it was a plug-and-play situation. Uh, the, 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 the person in charge of the caddies there, uh, had worked at Pinehurst for a long time and, uh, and really liked American caddies for whatever reason. And so, you know, we spent four months, you know, looping around the most famous golf course in the world and, uh, you know, got to caddy for some really cool people. I mean, I, I remember one of my groups, Peter Thompson was in the group. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking, watching this five-time open champion. He was probably in his mid seventies at the time to play the old course, you know, every day was an incredible experience. And what I quickly learned, even at, you know, the age of 22 was you'd walk up 17 and 18 and no matter if you're caddying for a CEO, you know, a son of, of somebody that's 18 years old, whatever the case may be, this is one of the most incredible experiences these people were ever going to have. And so to be along for the ride, especially those last couple of holes was a very, very special uh, day every single day. And uh, we played a lot of golf. We drank a lot of beer. We ate a lot of uh, fried food. 
And we had, a, we had an awesome time in St. Andrews. <laughs> yeah, you ate a lot of fried food over there. And isn't it interesting how in our younger years, some of the best ideas we had when we were drinking beer and sitting around with some buddies. <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you say, wait wait a minute, did we really think about doing this? Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, we're, we're living in St. Andrews. We're renting a room from this lovely Scottish lady that charged us, I think it was 40 pounds a week. And it would be five extra pounds if she did our laundry. And so you talk about, uh, I mean, those experiences of your 20s versus, you know, your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. I mean, we were truly flying by the seat of our pants. We were sleeping wherever they'd have us. And, uh, and it was, you know, you're looking back on that. I'm so glad we did it. Have you ever tried to get Tiger Woods on a podcast or just a quick interview? He's so protective of his image. The people around him are so protective. Have you ever tried to get to him in some form or fashion? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was lucky to be the on-course reporter for the first match, you know, between Tiger and Phil. And so uh, there was a time then where um, I probably could have got him on the podcast. But, you know, I was so kind of ingrained in the work there. I know... Uh, again, at the time, there weren't a whole bunch of podcasts around when that first match popped up. And so they were kind of shopping those guys around to, to kind of create a lot more interest. But, you know, I was I was in I was in that group, you know, so I was doing a lot of work and we were doing a lot of prep for it. So I think that was probably the best opportunity I would have had. I've got this really good idea for a Tiger podcast that I pretty much already laid out. So at some point in my life, I hope it happens. But, um, you know, I mean. You talk about, you know, the, the guy you want the most and the conversation you want to have. And if he's willing to have that conversation, it would be a very special, a special one to have. But, you know, I mean, Tiger's got a million things going on. You talk about a hustler. I mean, even outside of the golf, his business and charity and all that stuff going, uh, he's a pretty busy dude. It's interesting, Bake, because we had David Faraday on the show not long ago, and we talked so much about Tiger because we just love him. What we watched at Augusta was painful for all of us. And, one of the things that Faraday said was that if he had any advice for Tiger is that he would have made himself more available. He would have put himself out there just a little more, especially in those earlier years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he was so guarded. And you see this a lot with young athletes. I mean, I think um, it takes a bit of years to really understand that the media is not 100% against you. I think when you come in, especially when you're really hot, and obviously there were some interviews that Tiger didn't love early in his career, and that was part of the reason that he went a little bit cold on the media. But, yeah, I mean, I think looking back, it's easy to say, you know, I wish I wish he'd be more available or I wish he would have given people more time. But you're also talking about Tiger Woods being, in his prime, probably a top five most famous person on the planet. You know, not just athlete, but human being. I mean, you know, you're talking he was MJ level and LeBron level and Federer level, and, you know, uh, now you're talking like Messi and people like that. So uh, I would understand, you know, keeping people at arm's length and understanding that, the only thing that could happen from an interview is something you saying something bad, uh, because again, that happened, you know, early in his life. And when that hits you, uh, it makes you less interested in maybe giving people uh, that, that look into who you are and what you're about. And then on the flip side, you know, you think about some of these modern athletes and especially in our sport, you know, Rory McIlroy is incredibly honest in every interview. Jordan Spieth will let you into his world. Uh, you know, if you ask him the right questions. So it's kind of cool to see that juxtaposition, of certain athletes that open the doors and say, come on in. And, you know, I've kind of kept the doors closed and uh, maybe don't want you to see everything. And and I'll say this, I think as I've gotten older, you know, with kids and and a family and a wife and things like that, I understand a little more of that early tiger thing versus maybe 
you know, the younger athletes that'll let you all in because I don't want everybody to know everything that's happening in my life. And so, you know, you kind of see both sides a little bit as you age, I think. So you caddied in Scotland, but also on the LPGA Tour. Tell us a little bit about that experience and then covering the PGA Tour. You have great perspective on what the LPGA Tour is like and some of the differences. So, again, what was the experience like and then maybe some of the comparisons between the two tours? Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you ever go out and watch an LPGA event or you get a chance to, to kind of see those players up close and personal, I mean, I had a couple of friends. You know, I had, I had a friend of mine, the late Erica Blasberg, asked me um, to loop for her. I think my first event was in Phoenix. It was at Papago, and uh, she hadn't been playing great, and she just wanted a friend on the bag. And so uh, I'd never, you know, I'd obviously never caddied in, in, a, in, a, in a place like that, I mean, in terms of a professional environment. And it was uh, it was enlightening, not just, you know, in terms of seeing those players play and how good they are, but also understanding the world of the caddy, you know, understanding how good professional caddies are, how much work goes into it, how much time they put in day to day, um, you know, stepping off whole locations for the next day and, um, you know, never understanding that was a thing from a caddy. And uh, Sunday is actually the easiest day to caddy because you're not looking ahead. There were uh, there were a lot of things I learned, you know, in, in the few events I got to caddy. And then um, and then uh, one of my other friends, Irene Cho, uh, reached out after Erica passed away and, and said, you know, Eric always loved you on the bag. Uh, I haven't been playing great. Do you have any interest in, in helping me out? And so, you know, I would, I would do it and write articles about it. And uh, I remember our first event, uh, I think my first event with Irene was at Pumpkin Ridge and she shot something silly on the back on Sunday, like 32 and maybe 33 of her last four holes. And uh, you know, you, you talk about a, a cool drive home is, is being, being on the back for somebody that has a great Sunday and leapfrogs about 20 players and, you know, gets close to a top 10. Uh, it's a really hard job. It's, uh, it's, it's way more complicated than anybody at home understands it to be. But uh, at the same time, it's very fulfilling when the week goes your way because uh, you really do feel like you're a part of that team and, uh, and you are relatively integral. I will say one of my first events I ever caddied for, for Erica at, I – at one point, added an added a number and says subtracting it. <laughs> oh, no. And no. so I gave her like it was like 185, and she's standing over it, and I'm looking at my book, and I went, "Oh my goodness!" And I and she was about to pull the trigger, and I said, "Erica," and she stepped off, and I you know I did the thing where I had her come over like I'm looking at the book, and I went, "Yeah, I I added that." And I said, it's, it's actually a, an eight iron, not a four iron. <laughs> so oh, no. I was just sitting over there going. Please make par. Please make par. Please make par. And she made par on the hole, and then you feel less like an idiot. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's again. I mean, it's it's a lot of work that goes into caddy, and my respect level for that job after doing it a few times, you know, went up five thousand percent. Being a caddy for a professional in an event in an entirely different animal. You speak when you're spoken to, you have to know your player, when to shut up, when to give him a hug, when to kick. You know, there's a lot, as you said, going on out there. You're kind of part-time coach. You're kind of part-time therapist. You know, you're, you're part-time, you know, you know, course, you know, course layout person. I mean, there's so many little jobs that go into it. And then, you know, you don't even bring up bad weather where, you know, your job is to keep everything else dry except yourself there. It is, it is just a, a, it's a crazy job and there's so many things going on. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I remember there was a time where I, I did something as silly as pulled a putter out. Um, I remember, I think it was Erica was chipping, you know, short of the green, pretty standard up the hill chip. And I pulled the putter out, took the cover off. She chipped it to like three feet and kind of slammed the club in the bag. 
And I was like, well, that wasn't that bad of a shot. I don't know why she's upset. Well, it's because I pulled the putter out. And she said to me after, that showed me you didn't think I could make this. You know, and so you learn so many little things like that where, you know, if there's water left, you know, you don't say, hey, there's water left. You say, you know, let, let's, let's, let's keep this a little right. You know, you're trying to always talk in positives and avoid any of the negatives. And what's funny about that is when you have a caddy, maybe it's a club caddy or, you know, you're at a resort and you have a caddy and you hear those little negative comments, they almost come out stronger because you're so ingrained in to not do that. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a wild job. And, and, I, and I give a ton of re- respect and credit to anybody that does that for a living because it is, it is hard. They are long days. That bag is heavy. Your feet hurt by the end of it. And uh, not to mention how your brain feels. Hey, guys, hold tight. Want to tell our listeners about Henson Shaving. There are pains of using cheap razors, as we all know. Jay and I have talked about this before. We started using Henson Shaving. All of a sudden, no nicks, no cuts, no irritation, thanks to Henson Shaving. That's why you got to meet Henson Shaving. How about this? They're a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the ISS, that's the International Space Station, and Mars Rover. And now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just .0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. So seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. They want to care for you. That means no plastic, no subscriptions. The Henson Razor works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefits of new-school tech. Once you own a Henson Razor, it's only about 3 to $5 per year that's right, 3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com slash BTF to pick the razor for you. Use the code BTF for Beyond the Fairways. You'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. Again, that's 100 free blades when you head to HensonShaving.com dot com slash btf make sure you use that code btf big i caddied for cory pavin's longtime caddy eric schwartz broke his ankle or something and he couldn't find a caddy out in san diego and, and pavin calls me and my first question was why the hell are you playing in san diego you can't win you know that golf course doesn't fit you at all so anyway i said of course i'll come out there so i'm i'm carrying the bag and to your point about the pitching and the chipping and things. You know, I'm putting myself in this situation, this bunker shot, this little pitch shot over the bunker, whatever. Well, Paven is in such a different league that after about four holes, because we didn't hit any greens, I stopped even thinking about the putter because I'm like, well, this is really, really makeable, you know, because he was so locked in and I was not at the beginning. Well, I mean, the stress of caddying, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I felt plenty of stress playing, you know, tournament golf. And then, you know, now even still playing amateur golf, you know, I'm, I, I feel those, that pressure and the stress of competitive golf out there, but Jay, the, the, the stress of caddying where you can do all you can to help your player out, but they're hitting the golf shot. Uh, there are so many times where I remember, you know, we'd be short-sighted in a bunker or, 
you know, you had this, you know, you, you, you'd hit an errant tee shot and have to hit a 40 yard cut with a four iron around trees. And in my mind, all I'm thinking is, you know, just, let's just not mess this up and let's get it around the hole. And then they pull the shot off and it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're professional <laughs> golfers. Like they can hit all of these shots, but you have no, you know, really at the, at the end of the day, there's nothing you can really do to help them actually execute, but they're so good at golf that execution is what they do for a living. And so the stress I think of caddy and for me, you know, slowly waned because I understood that, you know, most of the time they're going to hit a good shot. It's almost rare that they're not going to pull the golf shot off. Shane, with your extensive background in what you've done with podcast media, what did you think of the Netflix series and going behind the scenes with the PGA tour players? Yeah. I mean, I thought they crushed it. You know I mean? I think it's only going to get better as well. I mean, I love what they did. Um, kind of balancing episode to episode and really focused on characters. I thought that was incredibly smart. And I mean, you, you, you guys, I'm sure you guys have felt this as well. How many people that aren't golf people in your life that have brought it up or mentioned they watch it? Uh, I was lucky, you know, I, I've been I've been doing some of the feature group coverage at Augusta National the last three years, and I'd have friends because you know a couple times my voice was on the on the on the show, and I would have friends that never talk about golf that message me and say, did I just hear you on full swing? And I mean, you know, it's, it was, it's so cool to see how many more people, things like that can touch because I mean, I remember during COVID, you know, I mean, we, we, you know, my wife and I got into draft to survive and um, you know, it was a big part of, of our viewing. And then we obviously started to watch a little bit of F1 uh, because of that series. So, you know, I mean, I, we're seeing, we're going to see a lot more of this because people are understanding access plays. And uh, I know Steph Curry's got a, a series coming out. Um, that's going to have some crazy access into his professional life, but yeah, it was a it was a big win for golf. And um, you talk about a perfect season to do it. I mean, I I laugh all the time. I mean, you could think about any season to pull this thing off, and they just so happen to do the one year where you know professional golf splits. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty lucky to have that land then. It really was timing wise. And Bake, I watched that and I thought. I'm like, where was my private jet back in the days? <laughs> I mean, when when Jordan says to JT, I think it's only a 40-minute trip up to Tulsa for a practice round, I'm thinking, well, let's see, I'm in St. Louis. I got a seven-hour car ride, or I can get on two Delta flights, and maybe I can get in for a quick nine. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, man. That wasn't how it was. Jay, the, the era killed you, man. You, 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 had, you, had, you, need, you needed like 25 years later. Especially... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, especially as far as you hit it, you'd have been perfect for the modern game. It's funny because I, I, I had we had Andy North on the show and Curtis Strange on the show, and we were talking about that because the guys that helped me on the tour, Shane, like the Andy North and some of the older guys, they were always telling me, pull back, Dels, pull back. You can't keep doing that. You can't keep doing that. And I'm like, but this is what I'm good at. You know, I'm aggressive. I want to just blast. You know, I know I didn't hit it straight, but I hit it farther than everybody else. And so I got my one iron and I started making more cuts, but it was, it, it, it was a different, it was just a different, different era. Just like you said, it's so wild. It's so wild to think about those times, right. Where, um, I mean, I even remember when I was coming up and it was, it was, you don't want to lay up to 40 or 50 yards, you know, make sure you lay up to a hundred yards in a par five. If you're not going forward. And I mean, now that is the complete opposite way of thinking and, and stats tell you, the story it's just so different now that uh that 30 and 40 yard shot is not nearly as scary for the pro golfer considering they have it all the time and they want it 
Shane, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about your business with logos, and you're helping out a lot of people across the country, really worldwide with logos. So tell us about the business and how this all came about. So I've been obsessed with logos pretty much my entire life. I, uh, I think if you have a good logo at a golf course, um, it's great for your business. Obviously, you're going to sell more gear, but I love the stories of them. I mean, I have, um, I've talked to so many people about how certain logos have come about, places like Sand Hills and MacArthur, you know, that have these, these epic logos. And so uh, it was, I mean, it was crazy to think, but it was social media. You know, I, I was introduced to a young lady named Kate Smith who was playing golf in Nebraska, and she would go play college events, and she would redesign or re-envision the logo and post it on Twitter. So she'd go to a place that maybe didn't have the best logo, and she would post a new logo that she designed herself um, on social media. And so when she graduated uh, college, I reached out to her and said, hey, listen, I've always thought there was a, an opportunity for a business like this. Do you have any interest in teaming up? And um, she was ecstatic about it. And so, yeah, we've been rocking and rolling for about a year and a half. And it's been crazy to see the growth of what we've done with Ground Under Repair. And um, from, from kind of buddies trips um, to working with some of the biggest brands in our sport to some of the most exclusive courses in the country. I mean, we've really kind of checked a whole bunch of boxes. And uh, it is wild, you know, when you get a, an email from somebody. Uh, we got an email from an NFL team the other day. And, uh, you know, David Ledbetter has leaned on us to do some logo work for him. So, yeah, it's uh, – it's, I mean, this is the first business I've ever started. And so, uh, A, I give a lot of respect, kind of like what I said about caddying. I give a ton of respect for anybody that's done the business world because it is not easy and there are a lot of things to go through. And uh, I give a, a ton of credit to Kate. I mean, she's so incredibly smart and creative and uh, we would not be a business without her. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's very cool day to day to wake up and check your inbox and see uh, what you've been able to do and see who's reaching out and to pass on the files. That's one of my jobs is I send those, those finished files to people and, you know, the reaction they get, uh, you know, you think about buddies trips that have been doing stuff for 20 years that have always thought about having a logo. And now they have something they could put on hats and shirts and ball markers. Uh, it's, it's been a very cool business and, uh, and, it's been cool to see the growth of it in a pretty short amount of time. Bake, it's so interesting that you mentioned MacArthur because that is my favorite logo, the milk jug. It is absolutely okay. fantastic in that family. I guess that was the property was a dairy farm way back when when the MacArthur family owned it, I guess. Yep, yep. And, and, that, and that's the reason, obviously, it's the jug and the tea markers are, are some of the best tea markers in golf. And, uh, I mean, as we've learned in our business, I mean, simplicity wins. You know, you think about some of the great logos out there and uh, you can see the logo and you identify the golf course right away. And, you know, you think about Marion and Wingfoot and Olympic Club and places like this that, that have those epic, you know, simple one-look logo, know exactly where you're at. You know, that's what we're trying to do for a lot of the modern golf. And then, you know, another thing we're seeing is there's a lot of secondary logo interest in golf. You know, you have your logo that's been a part of your golf club for 100 years, but, you know, the memberships get a little bit younger and they just want something different. Uh, to put on some hats that maybe the members will know what it's about, but not everybody out there will understand. So, yeah, I mean, the, the logo world, again, I've been obsessed with them for a long time. I guess I didn't realize there was as many people out there as obsessed with logos as I am. Clearly, you love business, so what's next on your list? What else are you thinking about here? <laughs> yeah, what's going on, man? <laughs> I, I got a couple things. <laughs> Listen, I got a couple things through. And I, uh, I, got, I, got another, I got another business we've been working on for, for a couple months uh online I've, I've got a couple book things i've been working on um you know i mean it's just i'm just trying to as you guys know and you guys are the same way just 
trying to think a little bit ahead and see maybe where we're going to go with this because um, as golf people, as golf media members, um, we've been blessed with this popularity that's, that's basically come from the pandemic. And so, um, you know, just trying to take a little bit of advantage and come up with some cool stuff. Uh, you know, all I'm trying to do is, is make this sport if I can make it 1% more interesting to people out there, I mean, that's my goal. And, uh, and obviously, you know, teaming up with, with creative people out there that I think do a great job and finding young people, you know, I'm getting old, Jay, you know that, I mean, uh, you know, the, <laughs> I the hate younger, you right now. The younger years, they listen, it, does, it, it happens quick, but uh, all of a sudden, you know, I, I, you know, you're, you're hearing terms online you've never heard of, or there are apps out there that you haven't downloaded yet. And, you know, you're like, I was on the forefront of this stuff a few years ago. So just trying to keep up with it and, and chat with the right amount of people. It's just a cool time to be in the sport. And uh, I'm really happy where I'm at and, and really looking forward to some of the stuff in the future. The NBA playoffs are here and make a fast break to FanDuel during those NBA playoffs. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's great promotions every day. There's a secure app, and you'll get paid instantly. We had friends that just did this the other day, and they were paid instantly on winning bets. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. It is America's number one sports book, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash BTF and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make sure you use that promo code FanDuel.com slash BTF. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager, only $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, very quickly, Jay and I don't want to be investors in your next venture, but we'd certainly <laughs> Maybe partner. Maybe we do. We'd partner with you, and we'd be equal partners. I just want to throw that out. Jay Bird, what do you got? I, I, I will say, I will say. I will send you the one sheet, and uh, you guys can think what you think. Bake, I, one of the things as we wrap this up, and again, I pre- so appreciate the time and the energy. It's just wonderful. But this game has been so great to me. It has given me so much. I way outkicked my coverage, way outkicked what I deserved. And I, I hear the gratitude in your voice. I hear the love and the passion. And I just so really appreciate that in you and, and bringing it out sharing it and then also paying it forward man it's very very cool well i mean i and, and i say the same thing as you jay i mean this sport has, has has blessed me with uh with an awesome life and it's given me a lot of opportunity and I, i've seen a lot of it you know i mean i think um you know I, I don't i i don't like talking about myself that much even though i know we've we've talked about myself on this pot a decent amount but you know one of the unique things that i have in this space is i've seen a lot of different walks in this sport i mean i've worked in pro shops i've picked the range um, as you guys have mentioned, I've caddied, you know, on a golf course and I've caddied professionally and I tried to play for a living and now kind of covering on the media side. Um, I've seen so many walks and I've met so many people in the sport and you feel the love for golf from each and everybody you run into. And there's no other sport like it. I mean, it's, it, we say it a lot, but it's so true. You know, you don't have 40 year olds out playing pickup basketball and you don't have 60 year olds, you know, trying to hit a curveball. like those things go away, but in golf, um, we continue to chase that passion. And what we have in golf that we don't have anywhere else is avenues for interest that isn't just the professional game. And, you know, that's been something that I found so cool is you don't always have to cover the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour. 
to find interesting, you know, chats about the sport. And, uh, and so I'm with you. It's, it's, it's a great game. I love it. I'm still trying to compete. My dad, I, I'll tell you this, Jay, and, and you'll love this. Last week, I did my U.S. Open local qualifier out here in Connecticut, and I missed by a couple shots. I shot 73 and need, needed 71, but my dad was out, and my dad pushed the cart for 18 holes. You know, my dad's 72. Um, he's still in great shape, but, I mean, what other sport is that happening in where, you know, the guy that taught you the game is still out, uh, walking with you for 18 holes. He texted me yesterday and said, I wish we were playing today. It's a beautiful game. And um, it gives us those moments that no other sport can give us. And so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for him introducing me to the sport. I'm eternally grateful for so many people that have given me opportunity. And uh, I'm just still trying, you know, I'm still pursuing it as a player and uh, in business and, and in media and all that. And so, uh, it will uh, it will forever be a part of me. But one thing is, my my three and a half year old doesn't care about golf at all. So I'm trying to change his brain. I'm just I'm like thinking <laughs> of fun ways. And now now my one year old daughter looks like she's going to be the golfer. And so uh, she puts the balls in the hole in the backyard and she's picking up the golf club. So as long as one of the kids get into it, that's all I really need. I remember you and I had a really nice little partnership, and we took down. And got a little Faxon and Loomis money uh, in in Philadelphia a few years back, man. It was nice being your partner out that at OM that oh, day. I, 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 it was it was nice being your partner. I'll say that. I remember you hit a couple of leaners on the last couple of holes. I remember you uh, you flagged it on eighteen when we needed it. And so uh, I would say that was a day you carried me for sure. But yeah, you know when you can get into Faxon's pocket, that's always a good day. And so uh, I was pretty fired up that we uh, that a we got to team up and be. Uh, and B, it was a successful partnership. Maybe we'll have to lean on a, on you know one of those uh, upcoming Ryder Cup captains or President's Cup captains and see if they need a couple of washed-up dudes on the team. You know, we'll sacrifice a few dollars just to give guys a little match. Yeah, we'll, you and I will we'll do battle. whatever. It, we'll, what, we'll absolutely. We're grinders, baby. Shane, what's the best way as we wrap it up here? What's the best way to get a hold of Shane Bacon? Oh, I mean, you can follow me on social. I mean, uh, you know, at Shane Bacon, um, you know, I I try to share whatever's going on there um, is probably the best way. So Instagram or Twitter, you can do that. And then if you have any questions or golf things or anything like that, if you send me a DM on Instagram, I I try to answer um, all the DMs I get. So I would say that's probably the easiest avenue in terms of connection. That's great. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Your insight is incredible. Good luck with the businesses and the book. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and now I'm going to go try to re-grip a putter, and my three-and-a-half-year-old is going to try to help me with that. So if it's like totally backwards and upside down, you know who to blame. (laughs) Thanks so much, Shane. Thanks, guys. It's the breakdown. There it is. A win for the ages. That is better than most. Better than most. Maybe. The return to glory on Beyond the Fairways. Great visit with a guy high in energy. That was Shane Bacon. Love the visit with him. Danny, so the children's book, we just talked about that, you know, as as we opened. He basically just set his little boy loose and said, you know, let's start looking for animals and we're outside and really creative uh, young guy. I, I, I love listening to Bacon. I think some fans are always curious about the role of a caddy, and he broke that down. And he broke down caddying on the LPGA Tour, caddying overseas in Scotland. I found that probably the most interesting part 
of our visit. What's it like to be a caddy and walking the fine line of trying to give advice, also trying to be maybe a psychiatrist for that oh, yeah. that you're carrying the bag for, but you wear a lot of hats when you're a caddy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to get John Wood on the show. I was just texting with him. He's doing now great broadcasting work for NBC. The timing of what you do as a caddy is critical. There are certain times to say something. Certain times you say the wrong thing, you're going to get your head knocked off. Did you ever say to your caddy, Please just be quiet. Oh, I know what I, I I know what I, I feel good on this particular club. Stop. We absolutely. We walk. I'll never forget this. I was in probably my third or fourth year walking up the 18th green at the Bob Hope Classic. We're playing La Quinta Country Club down in the desert. Been playing it since we were in college exactly. days, and I I think I'm four or five under par for the day. You know, it's a low scoring week, so that's not. A great score, but it's a good score. Will you be it, quiet? I'm going to tell you to be quiet. No, Give me four or five under. I'd love it. Well, anyway, my caddy says to me, I'll never forget him. We called him the judge. Uh-huh. And the judge says to me, just don't three putt. That's the oh, only thing no. I'm asking you. And I looked at him. I said, did you just say that? <laughs> and I three putted. Oh, no. And I was, oh, man, I was ready to knock his head off. I said, if you don't have something positive to say, do not open your mouth, period. Yes. Yeah. You must have been pissed. I, Danny, lunch tasted like crap. I was pissed <laughs> for two hours after. And then, you know, it's just on your mind so much. And I should have done a better job of, I, I think I had a really, really long, like a 30 or 40 footer, but I was pissed off. I don't know about you, and we'll wrap up this segment talking about Phil Mickelson, but I really just enjoy watching the man play. Now, you can debate what he's done off the course and all the innuendo around betting, obviously his jump to live, but what uh, Shane had to say about Phil because of their relationship I found really interesting, and I still think that Phil is such a curious character that it's still a popular name in golf, no doubt. Oh, Danny, no doubt. He's always going to raise that eyebrow, and he's all, and and then you look at what he did at Augusta, and oh, look, man. the oldest guy to ever win a major championship, and unfortunately, as much as you and I love Tiger, Tiger's not going to win a major championship at fifty. No, and you add three more years onto you know that poor body of his, so. Phil's going down as one of the top five, maybe top, maybe top five players of all time. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I, I put him in my top five. Well, let me ask you this. How many championships does Phil Mickelson oh. win if Tiger's not around? Absolutely. And some of the decision-making going down 17, 18 of these majors and, and not just saying, here's the safe play. I'm in the lead. This is what I should do. That's probably two for sure off yep. the top of my mind. Yep. Maybe three that he's got in his bag of major championships. Danny, I was playing at the at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in 2006. If you and I stood on the 18th tee of the West Course at Wingfoot right now and I showed you where he hit it, you would say, come on. Yes. You would say, that is impossible. And the, also the fact that you, because you know the game, you're an athlete, you'd say, what are you doing? Because, Danny, Phil had to win a certain way. He wanted style Put your pride in the bag, though. You put Tiger out there, and Tiger's going to – he'll walk across nails to win. And if it's, I got to hit four putters and it's going to get it done, that's what he'd do. What we're going to do next is talk about, well, the swing. I mean, you think – I love it when Phil says, I'm hitting bombs. So we're going to talk about the swing, the rest of the show. Also talk about our picks for the AT&T Byron Nelson, and that is all coming up. This is Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates 
in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. The world of golf is ever evolving. It's time for equipment and innovations in golf. On Beyond the Fairways. Jaybird, I get a lot of response from this portion of the program. We're going to have our tip segment coming up, but innovations in golf. And I was looking at all these different swing trainers, if you will, just little things that can help guide you, little mechanisms, little thought processes that you go through with swinging the golf club. So innovations in golf, what are you seeing from when you play to what we have now and swing trainers to help even the average golfer that's out there listening? The biggest thing, Danny, are these launch monitors, these things that Rapsodo's got a wonderful new product out that incorporates spin rates and things like that now. The GC Quad, the TrackMan, that's the stuff probably had the single most impact on professional game in the last 15 years so everything danny is monitored your dispersion rate your spin rate not only spin rate for how fast the ball is spinning but dispersional spin so side spin that you put on it things like that there's probably not a tour player that walks around that isn't carrying one of these devices that they get locked on some part in time of the day for hours at a time. Okay, I got to throw this one at you, and you're going to start laughing. So you've seen Tin Cup. I love Tin Cup. Yeah. We've seen it 100 times. When Kevin Costner, in his character, uh, can't hit the golf ball, he's, he's, remember he's wearing the thing with the head, yeah. and it's getting, there's a golf ball coming off. He's got stuff all over his arms. It's, it's crazy. Have you ever seen that really been used, though, officially in the game of golf to help out a somebody that's out there? And I'm not talking about what Kevin Costner was right. wearing, but things of that nature that you wear to swing the golf club when you practice. Danny, my buddy, the human volcano, Steve Pate, UCLA. So this isn't a crazy question. No, this is an absolute, absolute legit question. I wish I could have, I could find that picture because my buddy Olin Brown sent me a picture and said, look at what's happened to your former, <laughs> your fellow Bruin. And I looked over and I text Peter and he goes, he goes, Hey man, this stuff works. So he was tied up with rubber bands and bands That's and springs I mean. and all this stuff. To try to you know slow down your backswing and increase the speed on the downswing because because Danny everything really and truly revolves around speed. The questions I get asked: How can I hit my driver farther? How can I spin the ball? How can all of these things, Danny, are speed related? You know the um, old adage back in the day: Speed kills. When they talked about stuff in, in driving a car. Speed dominates in golf. We're going to talk about that on our tip segment. How do you improve? Clubhead speed, those kind of things. 
We're going to do that in our tip segment. This is Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions. Have you ever wanted tips from a PGA pro? It's the tip segment on Beyond the Fairways with PGA professional Jay Delsing and four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Tip segment, Jay Delsing, Dan McLaughlin. Again, wherever you get your podcast, download Beyond the Fairways. We've had great guests, Tom Watson, David Faraday. Next week, we're going to visit with Brad Faxon. Looking forward to that. And if you want to know about putting, he is the guy to go to undoubtedly. But we're going to talk about swing speed. Tiger changed the game in so many different ways, but he went up there to hammer it. He went up there to outdrive everybody. And now, everybody, it's a copycat league in the NFL, Major League Baseball, basketball, certainly in golf. Everybody is trying to drive the ball further, and that happens with swing speed. Danny, it's just the formula, right? Without the speed, none of that happens. So for folks that really and truly are interested in doing this, is you, your body's got to be able to move. And I'm talking about move fast. Okay, so let's say right now that you only you drive the ball 200 yards and you want to add add speed or add distance. Even at that point, you can still add speed by doing a bunch of rotational exercises, a lot of stretching. And with that stretching can come flexibility and more power. So you've got to get your butt off the couch and you got to get moving. So you're talking about trying to get a little torque with your swing. Absolutely. And through that torque comes, you know, you've got to be able to turn and you're going to let that club go to your backswing and then you're going to lead with your lower half. Just like we talk about the great hitters in baseball, the great power hitters. They they load up that back foot for us right-handed golfers. That's your right leg. And then those hips lead first, Danny. Same thing with the golf club. And then your, your arms come in, your hands come in, and the club head comes in last. And man, Danny, it it comes in hard, it comes in hot and heavy and, and really puts a pop on that ball. When you were addressing the ball and you're, you were long uh, off the tee, you're still very long off the tee, where was your weight transfer? How much was on the back leg and then moving forward great, when you were addressing the ball? Great question, Danny. So we're going to stand up there with our drivers 50-50, okay? We're going to have a slight flex in our knees. And you know, Danny, I'm not a huge proponent of trying to give lessons over the radio, but this is going to be simple, simple stuff. 50-50 on your weight, slight bend in your knees so that you're comfortable in an athletic position, and then you have your flex from your waist, okay? So the when we go back, we want our right hip and knee going almost back behind us and not going out away from the target. Goes back behind us and then get as much weight transfer as your body will allow. And then when you come through, it's going to reverse. We're going to move from our right side and again, right-handed golfer. So if you're a lefty, it would be the opposite. We're going to take that weight and we're going to move from our right hip into our left hip, turning and rotating. And when we come through, Danny, there's going to be hardly any weight on our back, our right leg. And then we're going to post up on our left, like we talked about when we played last week. And you look at some of these great young players, not that young anymore, but Justin Thomas, JT comes to mind. He comes through the ball, Danny, and his right foot is barely even touching the ground. So that's how much weight moves from the backside to the front side when you swing. Let's make some listeners some money. When we come back, we'll give our picks. The AT&T Byron Nelson, that's the stop on the PGA Tour this week. And this is Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions. 
Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week? It's time for the Picks segment on Beyond the Fairways. The PGA Tour takes us to the AT&T Byron Nelson, TPC, Craig Ranch in McKinney, Texas. And Jay, you've played this course, haven't you? Oh yeah, Danny, when it first came out, first of all, McKinney was a fast-growing town and they built this golf course probably 10 or 15 years ago, maybe even a little longer, and it was just a little ahead of its time. Man, it is filled out. The golf course was extremely long at the time, and the boys... There, there go. There, that's not long in today's standards anymore. All right, I'm going to go with my pick of the week, and I know you're going to find this shocking. Scotty Scheffler, and he gets to lay his head down on a bed that uh, is not probably a hotel room, might be, but he's in the state of Texas where he hails from. So I'm going Scotty Scheffler. I love it. I'm taking the same reasoning and going with his buddy Jordan Spieth. I like the Texans this week. I think for sure they're going to be staying at home. Man, the Byron Nelson, I can remember, Danny, one of the cool, this kind of off the subject, but back in the day, we used to play the Byron Nelson. AT&T has been affiliated for a long time and a great sponsor and supporter of the game. But Mr. Byron Nelson would be in a rocking chair sitting at the scores oh, table cool when you walked off the 18th green. And I can remember getting to shake hands with him. 10 or 15 times it's just and I at the time I was coming off the course either really happy really sad little numb who the hell knows but I think back now and I'm like it's Byron Nelson Byron Lord, Nelson Lord Byron man yeah, absolutely did you get a chance to talk to him though or was it just more just a handshake and then move on it was a handshake I said thank you so much for 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 that and then he was engaging he's like how'd you play today I saw you you know make a birdie on the 18th or something like that and it, it was great I I almost felt embarrassed to take up too yeah. much of his time. You know, I just didn't want to. But I, if I could have, I would have wanted to ask him a bunch of stuff. Well, those are the legends of the game, man. That's what makes it so much fun. My dark horse, I'm going to go with Tyrell Hatton. He had another contending performance at the uh, Wells Fargo. So, you know, maybe this is where he gets over the hump. Yeah, Tyrell's been a good player for a long time. An English guy. Um, yeah, I love him. He's a player. My dark horse is going to be former PGA champ Jimmy Walker. He's had a resurgence. You know, Danny, he had Lyme disease and some weird things happened to him. So he's kind of been off the radar for a little bit, but his head's been popping up. He's had some good performances. He had the lead, oh gosh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So we didn't have our best week last no, we week, didn't. but we've had some good weeks. So pay attention to these picks, folks. Can't wait for next week as we're going to talk a lot of putting, but Brad Faxon, one of the, really one of the great putters in the history of the game, will be our guest. I'm looking forward to that. I was looking at his stats, Danny, and I don't think after the first couple years on tour, he ever finished out of the top 20 in putting on the PGA Tour. That is amazing. Download this podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's called Beyond the Fairways with an S. And for Jay Delsing, I'm Dan McLaughlin, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions.